Hello and welcome to the Feminist Fiction Podcast. I'm Natalie. And I'm Megan. Hi. Hi. (laughs) Here we are again. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Um, Yeah, I have had a kind of roller coaster of a week, I'll be honest. Um, Maybe completely dictated by hormones. Mm. And I'm just starting to think that um, maybe some doctor time is needed just because it's just been like a literal roller coaster um but I am feeling great now because you know when you're (laughs) not on your period anymore and it's like the 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 world is so fucking good all of a sudden I shouldn't have sworn edit that out (laughs) no I think swearing is fine I've been putting that this is like has explicit language in I just assumed okay that it would (laughs) I can't imagine that anyone's gonna actually be offended I mean I'm sorry but like I'm just not down for people being offended by swear swearing it's just a word I don't (laughs) yeah great okay we made a decision I love it (laughs) so yeah that's about it really but I did go to Glasgow and that was really really fun to see some friends so I enjoyed that that sounds how how about you how are you I mean similarly I was also my period (laughs) we're syncing so cute (laughs) (laughs) I love that Um, so witchy I actually was I actually felt okay you know but then I just I was saying to you I've had a couple of like I suffer with insomnia sometimes and I've just had a couple of nights of like really bad sleep so I sound a bit like frazzled (laughs) that's why (laughs) I think it's quite hard like I don't know if anyone listening ever deals with it but I feel like I'm always trying to find a reason for why it happens and actually it does just seem to be quite random sometimes and I mean I've we've had like um people visiting and I think that affects it a bit but Mm -hmm. on the other hand sometimes it just happens randomly and I just I it's just like learning to kind of roll with the punches and accept that it's happening I get very frustrated and like obviously I want to sleep so yeah um and I know you've like struggled with it sometimes but actually I think like having gone through it a few times now it's always fine I think I often feel very worried about like I'm gonna feel so tired and I'm gonna feel bad and blah blah but like actually it's okay you know it's yeah but I think it's that cycle in your head isn't it going over and over the same few thoughts like for me this week it was you know I'm in so much pain but I need to go to work but I'm in so much pain like just on a loop all the time and just and then when I gave in and didn't go to work on certain days then it was like you should be at work you know Mm. but you're in so much pain (laughs) it's just Mm. like over and over and over and it's that endless loop in your head that makes these issues like worse I think yeah yeah I get so frustrated and obviously like that's not very conducive to sleeping don't mean exactly raging at like 2am or 3am oh yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm feeling a bit tired, but otherwise things are are good at the moment. Um, yeah, which again is why it's kind of feels a bit random because there's not like any anything really going on that would cause it. But but yeah, so that's that's where we're both at. Not maybe not at one hundred percent today. <laughs> we're gonna give it a good eighty percent. Yeah, but uh, oh, we've done it again. We haven't said who like what this is again. <laughs> I just launched into it. So we yeah, who okay. we were this time though. So yeah, we did a bit better. We did a yeah. bit better. But yeah, here we are. We are feminist fiction. If you don't know us, um, 
we are two gals from Manchester <laughs> who well, started... I mean, I should say I'm not from Manchester, which you can probably tell true, by my accent. <laughs> I just live here. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we started a book group and now the book group is quite large and other people from other cities have started them. And one's just opened in London, which we're really excited about. Welcome to mm. the club if you've just joined us there. Um and so because we got so big, we wanted to start talking about fiction, which we love um, online uh, on the podcast, as well as on the Instagram and in our in-person uh, book meets. Um, but with this podcast, we're also talking about a lot of TV and films, especially in this episode, because we just found so many examples mm-hmm. for this topic. Do you want to tell everyone what the topic is this time, Natalie? Yeah, so actually this was something we kind of have thought about already, but lots of people who listen to the podcast have said that they would like us to talk about this and it's coming-of-age um, fiction so no- and novels, films, TV. And recently, we- with Heartstopper being on Netflix, which is a show about two teenage boys falling in love. I think they're maybe mm. 14, 15? Uh, no. a bit older than that. There is a birthday party scene at one point, and I thought it was his 16th, but it might be his 15th. Yeah, no, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. They are very young. I think it's 15, young. and it, when it starts when they're like 15 and 16, because they, they get older. And anyway, it's been on Netflix. It's been kind of a huge hit, and it was also a graphic novel series. I've read four of the graphic novels, and you've read all of them. I think that's right, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there are only four of... Um, oh, okay. But, but then the I've also read the... Um, Nick and Charlie book which yeah. I mean I, I listened to that on audiobook but I think that's more of just a straight book but basically yeah. the whole thing tracks them literally coming of age mm. and like we discussed um by text actually um the issues in their lives become more complex mm. as the series develops but yeah I fell in love with it through reading the graphic novels and so to see it on screen was amazing and I really felt like mm. because of the involvement of the um artist and author um Alice Oseman I feel like it really stayed true to the original which I love when that happens and yeah. it's so so cute <laughs> yeah and I think it's like we kind of wanted to center this episode a bit around Heartstopper and we're going to talk about other things but because it really made us think about the coming of age things that we have, that we grew up with, things that we were, mm. you know, looking to when we were teenagers. And I mean, basically how different <laughs> it is yeah. compared to the things. So I'm 29 and Megan, you're 32. Right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's yeah. like we're millennials compared to, and this is kind of Gen Z. And the the programmes and and books to some degree like that we had when we were teenagers was were not like Heartstopper, right? <laughs> like, yeah, Heartstopper no, is so sweet. Like that that was the overwhelming thing. Like I found it very mm-hmm. emotional because and I found it very moving just because of how like basically like how nice they all are to each other. I know? honestly the first time I watched the show and I say first time because I have watched this show now I would say in excess of 20 times the whole <laughs> way through. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed maybe a little bit embarrassed but the first time I watched it all the way through I don't know if I even took any of it in because I was crying the whole way through mm. I had my face was like too, just leaking the whole way through 
And I do think it is because this is the show that I wish that I had seen when I was a teenager. And I just wonder what my life would have been like Mm. if I had seen it. Although that sounds very self-indulgent because it's just, you know, it's just a meaningful show to so many people, I imagine, Mm. for, for that reason and for other reasons too, you know? Yeah, I think that that is true. But I mean, okay, so first of all, like the, <laughs> the shows that we grew up with were predominantly Skins, right? Skins was like a huge phenomenon when I was a teenager and yeah. followed a group of, um, like, I think they're like, they're, they're actually like sick formers, aren't they? Like they yes. are that age at just going like completely nuts. Like it was like <laughs> wild partying, like every kind of drug, everyone's shagging each other. Um, yeah, and it's like I, in some ways it's good because it's I mean it's quite a diverse cast, and I feel mm. like the different characters and storylines are uh, like it's a really great show. Yeah, um, but it was pretty like extreme, and I definitely think we all thought it was like really cool. And when at the time <laughs> when I had parties, it felt a bit like we were trying to like mimic skins. Do you know what I mean? It was like Absolutely. everyone take all your clothes off and get. <laughs> get as drunk as you possibly can like it was like get really messy like that was the end. yeah yeah and in contrast like Heartstopper is like they get like milkshakes and they go roller skating oh. and they like tentatively hold each other's hands <laughs> yeah it's, it's so like true. the other end of the spectrum but the yeah. thing is the thing I was gonna say is that like I know what you mean like I also wish I had seen this when I was a teenager but if I'm being completely honest I think that if this had come out when we were teenagers people would have taken the piss out of it mm. like I, I, I wonder, wonder if any teenagers now are are taking the piss out of it what do yeah you think? like I don't know and maybe it's like there's a part of me that's like maybe us at our age are like oh it's so lovely and sweet or whatever mm. but like I don't know whether teenagers are all responding in that way to it and I but I think it's because we've like moved like we had all of that stuff with things like skins and I think it's like we've almost moved beyond that point where like now teenagers like they're they're pushing against what was the you know what the previous generation did and I wonder if this wholesomeness is like a push against that do you know what I mean like being healthier having better you know relationships and mental health like in comparison to our generation where it was all like drinking and taking drugs and yeah um, definitely and and I don't know I do think having we've gone around and around this but I I get the impression that teenagers nowadays are like this that they think it is cool to be inclusive and that you you know maybe if you're a teenager now you might get shunned if you're um no, I've just changed my mind, actually. I've changed my mind. Okay. Because I was in school the other day, and I I teach primary. So, um, you know, it's, it's not teenagers, but I was with one of the older classes. They are, like, age 11. Mm-hmm. And I played a clip of that footballer who's just come out as gay. Mm-hmm. And quite a lot of the lads in the back were screaming at the screen, uh, homophobic insults so I think in a, in a sense what I'm trying to say is although we do get this impression of Gen Z as being so cool so inclusive so warm and kind mm. and thinking that all these things are cool mm. but maybe we're just being optimistic in thinking mm. that like I wonder what the reality actually is 
Yeah, and I I think you're probably right because like I have a bit of experience teaching teenagers, and that for a while I did these like art workshops with this organization, and I had yeah. this one course that I did where I taught basically teenage boys spoken word which was an interesting experience (laughs) I was like it's like rap (laughs) without the music (laughs) I was like cool guys you're not a regular Uh, teacher you're a cool teacher (laughs) exactly um and they definitely did still use homophobic like slurs as insults to one another Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so I think it is interesting because, like, I found, yeah, Heartstopper was like, you're seeing these teenagers, like, kiss, like, openly have these relationships, like, come out in their schools. And they do experience bullying, but it's not, um, like, it. I mean, they do present it in the story. And and that kind of homophobia. But it feels quite, I want to say, like, light touch compared to, like, Mm. other things. And almost a yeah. little bit, like, maybe it's one thing that you could criticise Heartstopper for is that, like, the bully in it is a kind of, like, sporty rugby boy and mm. is maybe a little bit cliche, I suppose, as bullies go. But, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, we, we were kind of talking about this before, like, whether whilst this re- this presentation of teenagers, and especially queer teenagers, is this, is this really, like, wholesome, pure nice romantic thing whilst that is really lovely to see in comparison to just seeing teenagers having like a rough time basically and being horrible to each other whether that is um accurate you know like whether teenagers are watching that and just being feeling like seen or whether they're like oh this isn't really what it's actually but like like, I feel like there is value in just presenting a utopian teenage experience because even if it isn't real right now so many people are going to see this show you know it's picked up by Netflix it was number one on Netflix for for a, mm. quite a, a long time there and really that's huge and that could create progress and I think that's also why it put me in floods of tears <laughs> yeah it really had an impact on me like I think I was just I think probably there was a part of me that kind of wished my teenagers were like that I don't know if you. Oh, you. that's what it is as well. Yeah. It's like it's like that sadness for your like younger self that yeah. life just wasn't anything like this. I was like, I wish that I had this like lovely bunch of like queer mm. friends who were all yeah. like open minded and not you know like horrible and judgmental. Yeah. So like, what were your actual friends like as a teenager at, at that age, at a specific age of like fourteen, fifteen? What was happening for you? So. I mean, some of them amazing and they're friends that I still have now, you know, mm. and some of them like awful. <laughs> I, when I was about like 14, I made friends with someone who I'm still friends with now, who was quite popular and yeah. I sort of became friends with her friends. And I was so desperate to be popular that I really like and fit in and like my first boyfriend was like a horrible person <laughs> and mm. I and was a popular boy yeah. and I really just went out with him because I'd like made friends with him and he liked me and mm-hmm. I was just like okay like I'll just do it because yeah. I'll be cool if I do it. like I honestly wasn't even really that interested in him mm. and it was not like a good experience on the whole for me and I, I definitely regret that like I wish I had been less bothered about being cool as a teenager like I have lots of friends now who were like for example like really like emo when they were teenagers and like really alternative yeah Yeah. and 
had like maybe not a good time at school as a result of it you know like were mm. bullied but I really like respect them because I wasn't like yeah. that at all I was just like no I just want to be cool do you know what I mean like and I would yeah I just followed like all of the trends like whatever it was to make mm. me popular and I wasn't particularly true to myself if I'm being totally honest like I wish I could say otherwise but no that's I think we you and I've spoken about this in private before and that's exactly where I was sitting as well and exactly the same as you you know I've met so many people now who seem to have cultivated their personalities quite young like Mm. to have decided like to be sitting on the outskirts of of the mainstream culture um quite young is quite um an exciting thing I think for them now they really like hold on to it but for me I I didn't really know who I was all the way through secondary school I just felt like like you say that that burning desire to be accepted yeah I was very very nerdy in my younger teenage years and then obviously puberty happens doesn't it and I think it started to be that people would ask me to go to like the cool girls parties and I started to get really anxious about it like panic attack anxious because Mm -hmm. they were so mean to some of my original friends Mm. but I also really wanted to be cool and I think Mm. that was kind of like the central um worry for me as Mm. as a high schooler that I never quite resolved and I never Mm. quite had any I don't think I ever really had any very very close friends in school I think I was just too busy worrying about having lots of people around me Mm. and being accepted you know yeah and I'm just trying to think like what do you think it is like what for me looking back on it I think it was that they seemed like there was lots of like exciting things happening Mm. with them they were always Mm. like having parties like they were like good looking boys and stuff yeah it was it was more appealing to me maybe than just like sitting at home watching movies drinking milkshakes it was I, like, I, also I was think like, like oh was... like what are they I wanted I wanted to like experience mm, definitely things. and like in the same way as with the movie Mean Girls which wasn't even on our list of things oh, to yeah. talk about but that's <laughs> so relevant like yeah I feel like for me what seemed appealing was the like mystique of like girl world which I didn't Mm. know anything about like I remember going to the popular girls house and they were all curling their hair and um yeah talking about older boys that they were getting with and Mm. um drinking and saying things that I'd never heard and it was all like very grown up and I felt that if I allowed myself to um to be mean to other people and to like almost compromise my morals and things like that then I would have this like ticket to adulthood which Mm. I I wanted that I I did want to instantly be an adult and to be someone that the boys would all find really attractive and that the girls would be maybe a little bit afraid of and so I just started to kind of lose myself a bit and I did do some things that I'm not proud of like I lost some friends who were not a lot nicer to me Mm. um but ultimately I I never really completely got in with the cool kids but it was just so so nerve-wracking being on the edge of that (laughs) I can't imagine what it must have been like to be in the middle of it and I can't imagine what it must have been like much worse to be being bullied by Mm. them I it's just yeah it's like 
Oh god, it's just the worst age. Mm. I think like I honestly would, like would not you could not pay me enough to repeat being 14 years old. Like, no 13, way. 14. Because actually for me when I look back at that time like the only reason really that that happened I started to become more friends with like the popular kids was because when I was about 14, 15 everything just sort of socially started to like level out a bit more. There was much less mm-hmm. of a division between like popular kids and unpopular kids in our school. Otherwise, I don't think they would have given me the time of day, to be honest. (laughs) Because before that, I had literally just like a few friends. And we weren't really uncool, but we weren't cool either. And it was quite a good position to be in because we sort of managed not to get bullied, but also not to be caught up in like the popular kids kind of bullshit because they were really horrible to each other, you Mm. know, like, and they're very bitchy and like very mean girls. Mm -hmm. But, um, and I... And that was, like, actually quite a good time. i say when I was about 13, we were very, like, childish. It wasn't... It was much yeah. more, like, on the heartstopper end of things than it was on the skins end of things. And then <laughs> when I was, like... When I got into, like, year 10, everyone started to be a bit more friendly with each other and those kind of social divisions collapsed a bit. You know, we were all started going but to like, each other's parties and... I get that, but did yeah. they really collapse or were you just popular then, you know? Like, I think we yeah. need to acknowledge our own, like privilege within all of that stuff like I do feel like I was lucky and that I had a fairly easy ride in high school maybe at the expense of some other people which is worrying to admit but I think you've got to look at your own situation and think yeah I mean I do think it was a bit like that in my school because like I didn't I didn't really lose the friends that I had before Mm. we just did all start going to each other's parties and there were like there were there were some girls in my school so I went to an all girls grammar school and there was a boy yeah, grammar school and it's a very specific were, experience that we've yeah, had I mean going to an all girls school is definitely something but there were girls in my school who were like Regina George but more in like yeah. year eight and nine it was like almost like hero worship like they mm-hmm. were like unbelievably beautiful they were really rich like same thing as in Mean Girls mm-hmm. and all of the boys were like kind of obsessed with them and mm-hmm. um it did start to be like less of a thing honestly when we got into year 10 and 11 like that that kind of hierarchy wasn't as strong but yeah. there was still um you know it in a way it was more just like a widening of the popular kids kind of bullshit like you know yeah <laughs> more people yeah. got involved yeah. in it I would say like and it wasn't a good experience. So yeah, I'm like, watching Heartstopper was like, I felt sad because I was like, these are like a group of people who really are being true to themselves, their identities, what they like, their sexuality. Mm. Um, and they're not just thinking about how to be cool and but also I suppose one thing you could critique Heartstopper on is that like, is it really realistic? You know, surely no kid of that age has that level of self-awareness to be able to Mm. really like for example if you look at Charlie Mm. he's so secure in terms of his um sexuality yes he has a lot of mental health issues um but he has really strong friendships based on um a lot of common interests that he seems to be very sure of his own interests like his bedroom has got you know mm. the music elements the books like he's yeah they're he's very quite cool. they're well-rounded quite cool as well like yeah you know, all very cultured and educated in that way of like 
we should say like the two the romance between the two boys is like Charlie who's the main character is quite like um he's like skinny quite like alternative mm-hmm. um you know he likes like the cure and those types of bands yeah and he plays the drums and then he has this kind of blossoming romance with Nick who thinks he's straight before he has a friendship with mm-hmm. Charlie and he's like a sporty kind of rugby boy and he's like a popular kid but you're right like uh I, to be honest again like sometimes I find it annoying when people talk about their teenagers and they're like yeah no I just like I love like Radiohead and the because <laughs> like I yeah I came to that kind of stuff when I was like 17 when I went to sick form and I was a bit more grown up yeah. I guess again like you know honestly I just liked like whatever was popular like like really like a lot of like r&b like beyonce you know like that was yeah i just listened to whatever was like in the in the charts and again i'm like i wish i could be (laughs) i wish i could say that i was cooler and i was interested in the music that i'm interested in now as an adult but i just don't think i was that sophisticated to be honest i think like i made a conscious effort to start liking bands based on what I thought boys would like (laughs) that was how my you know before that point I was listening to you know Mystique the Sugar Babes yeah all great I should Piper. I still love that stuff (laughs) but I think like yeah same Uh, maybe even more so now Mm. but yeah like I, I felt that coming into maybe being like 15 16 and I started to have a part-time job, I started to realise that, um, you know, definitely a way to win the hearts of boys, if you're not sure what to talk to them about, is to, like, boys in bands, very specific Mm. music genre of white uh, blokes all in a band (laughs) playing jingly jangly guitars. And that's how I formed some semblance of a personality based on boys fancying me. (laughs) That was very strong when we were teenagers, like the in the white indie boy band. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's like I saw quite like this comedian do like kind of taking the piss out of that like that thing, basically those indie yeah. boys. Yeah. And, and he was saying how like all of the songs are like about Camden and Leeds. <laughs> it really made me laugh. Oh yeah, I've seen that. <laughs> I was like, they are. It's like, why were they so obsessed with Camden and Leeds? But anyway, yeah. That's like a digression. But yeah, I agree. I think I was the same. Um, I also think when my... I had an older brother who was um, cooler than I was and more alternative. And it was like he sort of intervened at one point and was a bit like, you actually need to listen to some some like good fans (laughs) in his his opinion and started to like play me stuff and kind of educate me a bit because I pretty much before that was just, yeah, I didn't... I wasn't listening to like Radiohead and bands <laughs> like that. I wish I could say that. I was. Oh my god, Radiohead! I think even now to talk to a right like a white cis dude, you do need at some point to drop in your love of Radiohead if you ever want them to be interested in you <laughs> to any level. It's, it's a given. Yeah. Yeah. I was honestly like. Yeah, I've recently my mum gave me this box of like uh, diaries, right, from when I was younger. And like Amazing. the ones when I'm like a little kid are like quite sweet and quite funny and like weird. But yeah. the ones when I'm a teenager were like unbearably cringy. Like so, <laughs> like so embarrassingly cringy. 
like the way that I talk about like relationships that I had mm. it's like I think I am in like an episode of like Skins or Gossip Girl and I'm writing yeah. a diary like as if someone else would read it <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> someone opened it up is so like overly <laughs> self-aware and I do remember literally like having like crushes and like sitting in the car looking out the window like listening to like yeah. Halo by Beyonce, <laughs> like imagining my relationship. <laughs> it's deeply, yeah. deeply uncool. So yeah, I do think that like they wrote the character of Effie based on the knowledge that teenage girls are that like self indulgent and mm. like yeah. and so we that, should talk about Effie yeah. in yeah. Skins again. There'll be maybe some people that haven't seen. Um, either skins or this series of skins in that um Effie is becomes like a central character right in like mm-hmm. the third and fourth season in the first and second she's like the one of the main characters Tony's younger sister and then yeah I mean I, I would say like obviously when we were actually teenagers it was the first season that hit and like was um was a big influence but I really think it hit its stride with the Effie season because it got even more chaotic and traumatic didn't it yeah and it was more like our we were kind of that age like or for me anyway I was about six 16 or 17 when those series started coming out and so were those characters right so right I, think I guess I was like, the previous one but yeah yeah exactly yeah, I was like I remember feeling much more sort of connected to that one Mm -hmm. and she I honestly like embarrassingly so based so much of my like what I looked like on her like I literally like when I was like 15 16 I cut all my hair off which was like crazy at the time for me it was like oh so wild cut it really (laughs) short into this like pixie haircut and I used to just wear like ripped up fishnets and like loads of eyeliner and like chains yeah. like Doc Martin <laughs> and I was like I'm, I'm a pretty bad bitch <laughs> <laughs> even though you said that it's like so cautious I'm actually a pretty bad bitch <laughs> pretty bad bitch and I wasn't at all do you know what I mean like it was yeah but that's and I and I started um smoking like casually yeah. pretty casually at that age I'm like I'm sorry mum mm-hmm. <laughs> she's listening because <laughs> literally just because I thought it looked cool and because like yeah. I'd seen Effie do it you know. mm-hmm. And I think I got the impression through watching Effie that because she's so mysterious in that she barely says anything, that's the way that I should start to proceed with my yes. sexuality. You know what I mean? Like having been very, very gobby from a very young age, I suddenly realized that to get the interest of men, I only needed to, to like listen to and think about their interests and say nothing at all about my own mm. to be as cool as, as her. And yeah. it really was damaging, like, you know? Oh God, such <laughs> a bad like role model. And it does annoy yeah. me a bit actually, like, cause I think, I think Skins is written by this writer called Jack Thorne, who I do like okay. a lot, I should say, like he's a very good writer. Mm-hmm. But Effie is so like manic pixie dream girl. Yeah. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, women are not like that. <laughs> yeah. I just don't think that they are. And if, I mean, maybe this is my opinion, but I feel like if they are, it is like a performance, you know? Mm. Um, like, do you think that there's any female characters on that show who are more, who are less like that? I don't know. Like, 
What are the it other all girls feels a bit like? formative. Um, like I guess Cassie was like, also oh. a manic pixie dream girl, no? In the first season, Cassie. Yeah, yeah. She's, again, like, I guess to give some context, like, in the first season, Cassie, she's like an anorexic girl. And she's really, like, dreamy. She's almost a bit, a little bit like Phoebe from Friends, right? It has that kind of, like, yeah, that quality thing. But even, like, she is sort of... She's actually, like, a bit weird. And, like, she is also Manic Pixie Dream Girl, but she's not... Like, Effie is so sexualized, I think. Mm, mm. And, like, again, like, her, her whole behaviour is, like... She doesn't really say anything. She is... Incre- she's really good looking and incredibly thin. Yeah. And all but of the was... boys are in love with her. All of the male characters are in love with her. Like, But wouldn't you say that's exactly the same in the first season with Michelle? Because I do actually think, because yeah. maybe because I, I am that slightly older than you, like that did hit me in exactly the same way with Michelle. Like I, I remember vividly that scene where she's in like the... I'm laughing at myself now because, like, I literally wear a lot of zebra print still to this day. But, like, (laughs) she's wearing, like, a zebra print boob tube dress and she's dancing at the party and, like, all the men are looking at her and I thought, well, that's that's going to be me. I'm going to work hard enough to achieve that dream of being just a stick insect in the middle of the room, saying nothing to anybody but looking hot, you know? Like Yeah, I agree with you, but I felt like Michelle was a bit more um, realistic in that you kind of see her, you know, similarly to, like, when we talked about Cassie and Euphoria, like, you see Michelle be a bit, like, desperate with, like, Tony, mm. and you see her be kind of vulnerable and... Um, oh, yeah, that's true. Effie, it's like she's this sort of, like, untouchably cool mysterious Mm. she has mental health problems but they're they're portrayed in a way that's like for me it's almost like they've made sexy they made they tried like (laughs) they tried to make like mental health issues look hot do you know what you mean yeah like like even there's a scene where she's like literally vomiting because she's so anxious but the music is like so powerful i think it's like a porter's head song and Mm. it's like so super cool that she's being sick i don't know like everything she does is cool (laughs) right and there's like there's a really funny bit where she's like sat in her kitchen and like the whole house is like a total mess and I can't yeah. remember who she's talking to, but she's like, yeah, yeah. I'm like going off the rails. Like you should try it. <laughs> oh my God. Yes. <laughs> and it's like, what is this? And like, it's such a bizarre, she's such a bizarre character. And like now as an adult annoys me so, so much. Yeah, like, definitely. So many women I know of our generation were just obsessed with her because I guess she had like all of the attention of these like good looking men. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's what you want when you're a teenage girl. Like you want, if if you know, if you're a straight teenage girl, you yeah. want the you want the attention of men. And for me, I remember being like, if I behave like her, that's what I will get. Right? Mm-hmm. Like I mm-hmm. literally thought I was like, if I do what she does, then that's how I'll, I'll win men over because they're all obsessed with her. Yeah, it's very very problematic. Yeah. But I think like through all this, I guess we're kind of centering the straight experience. And I think with Skins, what's interesting compared to Heartstopper is that in Skins, the queer there are queer uh, couples, but they're pushed to the sides of the yeah. storyline. Whereas obviously with Heartstopper, it's um, fantastic that all of the main characters are queer, and that's mm. like front and center. And and that's I think where it's getting something really right. Um, yeah, and, and it's doing is something a, really new. A very like positive um, 
you know, they are positive role models, aren't they? They're positive examples of like healthy relationships, even like Mm. you say, if they're not realistic. Like one thing that um, actually someone in the book club raised with me that we wanted to mention, there was like how, whether it's a problem to sort of um, be presenting like queer relationships wholly in a positive, like wholesome, pure light as if... um, Okay. As if, like, you have to set a good example if you're queer. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. I and and whether that is a bit problematic, the idea that, like, we have to, almost a, a similar idea of, like, black excellence, you know? This yeah, idea that it, like, yeah. always has to be this standard. And we did talk about, I mean, it's not quite coming of age, but we, and we mentioned it in a previous episode, but we did talk about, like, it's a sin mm-hmm. as maybe, like, a more... And because I think in a way it is coming, they're quite young, aren't they? Really, those characters. Yeah. And maybe being a more realistic presentation of, you know, like life is messy and relationships are messy and people are complicated. Queer people are complicated. Like they're not always behaving in this super positive way that everyone in Heartstopper is, right? Definitely. But I suppose you could say just, you know, that maybe It's a Sin is more on the skin scale of things. Like Mm. things are pretty chaotic in that show. Like, I guess the the main thing I think is that we just start getting more and more and more representation to the point where we've got some kind of middle ground between these two camps as well as, as well as the two polar opposites of coming of age representation, I guess. But like, Maybe we should talk about some other stuff um, from these two. What do you want to go into next? Well, again, I guess, like, to give a bit of contrast, um, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's, like, labouring the point too much, but, like, we talked about Gossip Girl, which I guess has uh, also came back, didn't it? They, like, remade it, and I haven't seen the new season. But... I have, actually. Okay, um, that's interesting, because the yeah, the... Gossip go Girl was, like, another TV show that we grew up with and was American and is, you know, set in this very posh high school. Like, you mm. know, they're all super rich people. And me and a friend of mine re-watched a couple of episodes because we were really obsessed with it when we were teenagers. Again, I think I watched it when I was around, like, 16, 17. Yeah. And it was, like, so shocking how <laughs> problematic <laughs> it was. Like, I'm laughing, but, like, there's, like, a... There's basically, like, a rape in the first episode... Yeah. Um, between Chuck, character Chuck, who's like, who throughout, we were all like totally obsessed with. Like, he was like the hot guy in the series. Yeah, and actually, it's interesting to think about like how really that first episode establishes his character as a rapist. Yeah. And somehow they programmed us to believe that this was the the hottest guy on the show that we should all be. Yeah, it's really bad. And again, it's like, no wonder that we're crying at heart stuff. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Uh, yeah. It's just like, what we grew up with was so bad. Like, so and I, bad. and again, like coming at it now, I think just shows me like how far things have actually come in some ways in, yeah, you know, like not to say that there aren't still problems, but yeah, in comparison, it's, yeah, I think that's why maybe it's so emotional for us because it's like, yeah, so I think imagine with if gossip, we had that growing up, it would be definitely to like, like Gossip Girl. With Gossip Girl as well, I think you know, it's the the base note of the show is is nastiness. You know, yeah. everybody in it is trying to climb 
the the social ladder because it's a very very uh, wealthy um show all the characters live in this upper i don't know what it's was it called the upper west side upper east side i don't know anything about yeah. <laughs> um yeah, i can't remember yeah Okay. An upper side. One of the upper sides. Yeah, I guess it's meant to be one of those sides. (laughs) Upside down. Okay. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess, in a way, that's probably why we identified more with skins. But Gossip Girl and The OC as well, they're they're meant to be like really aspirational shows. Um, And in order to be part of this elite circle, you were meant to be extremely cruel to each other and I do think a lot of that rubbed off on me personally that mm. that idea that concept of to get what you want to be popular you know you, you need to to sacrifice niceness or something yeah. yeah yeah and like I I wonder again whether I would love to know like how things like Heartstopper are actually impacting teenagers now like whether they do yeah. read that and feel like they can you know whether that impacts their behavior and, or whether they look up to that as a good example or not would be so well I don't think that new Gossip Girl adaptation uh, sequel I yeah. don't think it's doing as well as its predecessor like mm. so I think that says it all although it has yeah. been renewed so maybe I guess people are watching it but I don't think don't quote me on this, but I, I don't think it's being received at the same in the same way that Heartstopper has been received. So I think that's mm. a really good thing. And to be honest, watching it now, like I have seen the new Gossip Girl, and it it doesn't really add up. Like suddenly you're watching it in yeah. that, like watching it now in the context of like Me Too having happened, and mm. obviously now now Roe versus Wade and and all sorts of um, the pandemic, everything that's happened since mm. the original Gossip Girl was out this thing of all the characters being unkind to each other and um just being in this bubble of wealth Mm. is suddenly starting to look really um silly although I guess Mm. maybe our parents would have thought that the first time around the the first one was awful as well yeah but I didn't see it as a teenager you know yeah and again like I wonder if that like if it being less popular is because teenagers now are kind of not behaving in that way you know or that yeah something that they think is a good thing like, I mean I would say they have improved like the representation though because like the th- one of the main characters is bi and then another one is uh, gay and mm. so and you do get a lot more black characters there as well mm. um but the 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 tone of the nastiness is still very much central mm. you know yeah, and there is also, like, you know, I'm just going to, like, do, like, a sly plug because I wrote an article about this, what we're yeah. talking about in lots of ways recently for a platform called Vague, um, which was about this kind of heartstopper versus skins teenage thing of, like, super, super rebellious, wild, extreme versus kind of pure and wholesome and nice. Um, and I do think there's something that's kind of interesting. Like, for me... Again, whilst I love Heartstopper, like, there is... When you're a teen, Like, being a teenager is, like, about rebelling, like, for me. Mm. Like, I think uh, it's almost like a rite of passage to do that. You're, like, testing the waters. And apparently, like, teenagers' brains are actually less... Like, that risk part of their brain that kind of alerts them to danger is, like, less alert. Yeah. 
like that's not you know so that actually mm. does encourage them to take more risks and behave in a more dangerous way Ooh. and like in this article I, I mentioned like this there's a film that I watched called um another round which is like a really good film if you haven't seen it but it's about it's quite a weird premise and that it's about these four like middle-aged uh white men who are teachers at a secondary school reading about this theory that where your blood alcohol level is slightly too low like Mm -hmm. it's like a real theory and they all decide to just drink like reg all like all the time throughout their (laughs) lives and it's like it's a thomas uh vinterberg film he's quite a big director and i feel like if it wasn't him it wouldn't have got made because it's such a mad concept yeah but it's really really good and that it's basically just an exploration of like alcohol and it really both like celebrates it and criticizes it It doesn't really land on either side it kind of shows you how fun alcohol can be and how yeah like it you know they have these kind of great nights out and um it really for some of them makes them more like confident and fun and improves their relationships and stuff and then for others is really destructive and devastating Mm. but I saw this interview with him where when he was making the film his his teenage daughter died in a car crash like as he started to make the film and she was 18 and it all of the teenagers in the film are like her friends he was filming it in her school with her with her friends and he said that he felt like watching teenagers of that age with them all being so like on social media they were so concerned about um how they appeared online basically in mm. a way that he realized he didn't have at all when he was a teenager because he wasn't being documented all the time and yeah. he he said that part of his part of him wanting to make a film about alcohol was a, wanting to make a film about like letting go and letting go of your inhibitions and doing stupid shit basically <laughs> like he was like yeah. I feel like it's like a rite of passage for teenagers to like try things like make mistakes do mm. stupid things and he was like I feel like it's really sad at the moment because they're not because they're so worried that that someone's gonna film them doing it and put it Mm. online Mm. that they're way way more cautious you know about their lives and how they behave than most teenagers of previous generations were and I was like it's quite an interesting take on this like wholesome gen z thing it's like is Mm. it because they actually want to be healthier and all these things or is it because they're worried about the the impact of them getting drunk and being filmed Get, get being drunk yeah and being put on uh, I suppose as well like really Gossip Girl was in a in a sense the first of its kind in terms of that was when the internet was just social media was just mm. being born and so they could explore that concept the whole concept of Gossip Girl is that um uh somebody is texting them all Mm. and they don't know who it is an anonymous texter who is following their lives and making like what we would now call tweets about their lives Mm. and they're all so freaked out because they can't possibly believe that someone is watching them and then they start to behave as though they're being watched Mm. and at that time it, it was really interesting whereas now maybe that's why the sequel's fallen flat because it's almost meaningless as a concept now because we're always being watched all of the time. And, and like you say, it's, it's moved so far past that to the point where I think there's like an advert that I keep seeing in the Love Island breaks. Do, have you seen it as well? Like the Dove advert where it's a teenage girl yeah. who's edited herself yeah. and then it moves like, it goes backwards as if it's reversing the camera 
the the film from the camera mm. um, to show what she actually looks like and that she's crying mm. um, because she's edited herself to look perfect for her social media posts. And then it says, you know, um, it just makes me cry every time. <laughs> it's yeah. a stupid advert, yeah. but it's true. Like, yeah. we're really... It must be actually horrendous to be a teenage girl right now in that context. Yeah, because, I mean, for me, like, when I was a teenager, social media was a thing, but it was MySpace and Bebo. Yes, same. And then Facebook. (laughs) What was on your MySpace? I need to know what your MySpace is like. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I'm so embarrassed because I did have... I actually had Bebo before I had MySpace. So I remember coming to, like... MySpace was like a thing that like again like cooler more alternative people had (laughs) by the the time I got MySpace I was a bit cooler do you know what I mean like I had I think the music I had on there I had like Bombay Bicycle Club in like the early days but my b was like unbearably like cringy it was like I used to have I like because everyone like made their own backgrounds yes (laughs) like it's so funny right because I remember when Facebook started to be a thing my brother had it because he was at university and he was like telling me about it and he was like yeah it's gonna be a really big thing and I was like Facebook I was like <laughs> I was like it's all about Bebo I was like you can't even change the background on Facebook yeah <laughs> but yeah my Bebo was like I think it was like my name in like italics with like an x at the end of it like a selfie with a, like an extreme side fringe like straightened to death oh yes that's amazing yeah <laughs> really bad how about you? Oh, I had, I had like, um, I don't remember much about my Bebo, but like on my MySpace, I remember there being like a Rilo Kylie song. And I remember Boy telling me that he loved that song on my MySpace page. And I was like, yes, I've achieved greatness now. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also remember posting this photo of like, this was, I was slightly old at this point. I was 16 and my friend had a pool, which is unbelievable really, considering we were living in the freezing land of Lancaster. <laughs> um, but we had like a pool party one time. So I had a picture on my MySpace of us like in our bikinis and stuff. Mm. And I was with a friend and my friend had much bigger tits than me. And mm. somebody posted, somebody messaged thinking that I was the one with the big tits mm. saying like, oh, great, great pair, hun, or something. Mm. And I remember being... No, it was another girl, but I was absolutely devastated. And that's, it's like comical, actually, to think about, because, I mean, basically, in context, I have no tits at all. So... In, hey, in... it's quality, not quantity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, you're right, quality, not quantity. But basically, what I'm trying to say is, um, the it really... It's crazy how much that broke my self-esteem. Just one comment, one mm. comment from a random person, because that was the extent of MySpace. Let's be honest. Like you posted mm. a picture and you got like two or three comments max. Like if you got three comments on a picture, you thought you were doing really well. I don't even know if they were likes. And the fact that that broke my self-esteem completely, I cannot mm. believe the. I can't imagine the amount of agony that teenage girls must be in right now. They must have so many comments negative it's, like that. Or... Yeah, I really think it's quite different like the when I so when I was like in my early 20s I was working this cafe and we had like an apprentice you know uh, yeah and we had a a couple and they were proper like teenage girls and it was really interesting talking to them about like social media because it had changed so much Mm. even in that short period of time like in that they were talking about how like if they posted like a picture of themselves and they didn't get like a certain amount of likes they would get rid of it Right. right. Yeah. It Jesus. was like 
And and it was also like that your friends, like you kind of had to comment on each other's pictures and mm-hmm. say that you looked good. And if you didn't, it was like a bad thing. So like if one of your best friends hadn't commented yeah. on the picture being like, you look amazing, that there was yeah. like, it, there was like something going on. And I was oh like, what just occurred to me about it was like how much pressure there was to be online because it yeah. was like, if you don't engage with it, then you're seen it's like there's some kind of issue between you and your friends. Yeah, definitely. Like I remember coming into sixth form, then it was all about Facebook for for me at that age. And we were posting an unbelievable amount of pictures of every night out that we ever went on. Like 50 pictures from one night out, put them in a folder and go on to the next one. And then I remember going to London, uh, maybe like 19 and everybody there at art school had nothing on their Facebook and they were like, who is this very uncool kid with really? all with all these Facebook albums from the yeah. North? But I had oh the Facebook albums as well. That was a big thing. <laughs> like we, we had like a, di- we'd have like a digital camera and you take yes. loads of pictures and then yes. put them all on Facebook. Like I was still doing that when I was at university actually. Like Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And again, yeah. I think that has changed, hasn't it? And now it's like, people like pick a few and then they have like Instagram stories and stuff mm. so I mean it's again it's interesting about Heartstopper because social media is in it isn't it but not in like a huge way not in a in, way in like a feels... really cute way like they're yeah. all texting in their lovely group chat and yeah. yeah it's so so cute and innocent isn't it yeah I'm just trying to think of like cultural examples I mean we should talk more about like books really yeah, we're a it was a book club. club. We talk a lot about TV, <laughs> but like you know, what about of like um, social media thing, like things that are oh, okay. Talking about so actually, I have quite a good example. I recently read this young ad adult novel by Laura Bates. You know, the everyday sexism. Yeah, yeah. Um, woman, it's <laughs> not the right way to describe her, but <laughs> she's she's written a lot of non-fiction books, and this was a novel that she wrote Mm -hmm. and it was a YA one it's called The Burning yeah and it was quite interesting because it was it was you know for teenagers now and it was really not like nice you know (laughs) the teenagers in Mm. this are very horrible to each other and it's kind of about slut shaming in that the central character has like at the beginning she has moved away with her mum to Scotland from their town in Birmingham I think it is because of this thing that's happened where basically you know it's it's, I'm not it's not really a spoiler and that you find out quite quickly like pictures of her like nude pictures of her that she'd sent to a boy got shared at her school and kind of everyone like turns Mm. on her and the book ties in with this like project she's doing at school which is like a history project where they have to find like a historical figure and she finds this witch and it's all kind of tied in with like witch hunting in a way that feels a little bit like on the nose, frankly. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's very like obvious, I suppose, the comparison, but it was really about social media and about how that's like, it presented that thing as very common among teenagers, like sharing naked pictures and then that getting, you know, like shared around school and slut shaming yeah. and, and how bad that can be for teenagers. And again, like, I suppose that was something that could have happened when we were younger, but it seems much more prevalent as an issue now. Definitely. I, I don't know if... I can't really remember if social media is an aspect of this show, but I keep thinking about 13 Reasons Why as, like, yeah. a really stark contrast to Heartstopper. Like, 
do you remember if social media was in that or maybe it doesn't I matter just... really I mean again it was like I've only, I think I only saw the first season of it and I did find it like pretty harrowing a... I don't know if I've ever seen like a show as harrowing as that show yeah. I mean I feel like when you're watching you know when you're watching like a crime drama or something you expect the blood and the violence and whatever but this yeah 13 reasons why is really dark it's darker than skins like skins doesn't even scratch the surface of this thing yeah it's like again like for some context as an american show there's about a girl who's committed suicide the first mm-hmm. season anyway and you see like one like one of her friends who's a boy right kind of yeah try and work out like why she did it is that right? I'm actually, it's a while since I've seen it. Yeah, that's right. So every episode of the first season, he's receiving tapes to mm, try and help him work it. out who did it. So yeah. that's pretty dark. But then it goes even darker in the second season. Like, I'll try not to do actual spoilers, but basically the themes of the second season are rape and mass shooting, um, which, yeah. like, God, I mean, I, I get why they're just looking at the issues that, um, teenagers are facing and thinking we need to represent these and I've, I've seen talks with the cast and the director and stuff where they they are defending their choice to make such a dark show um, in order to try and represent what teenagers are really going through um, but for me especially with the second season I thought actually it's it's harrowing enough for me to read about mass shootings. I'm not sure whether I, mm. I need to watch that be played out in like 10 episodes of an hour long. Like I'm, at some point I was thinking, why am I doing this to myself? Like why am I putting myself through the show? And that's as an adult watching mm. that show, you know? And I wonder if it's just about like, you know, how it's presented. I mean, I guess with 13 Reasons Why, maybe in its defence, like it's not exactly glamorising any of those things like when I think it has about, been argued that it is glamorizing oh, really? those things I think that's why the, the cast yeah. have been defending it but yeah carry on because I was gonna say like yeah when I think about skins and gossip girl it felt very much like it was glamorizing things and behavior that is mm. basically not good for people yeah you know I mean? yeah like glamorizing like unhealthy relationships like mm-hmm. even like glamorizing having a mental illness you know and that yeah. manic pixie dream girl thing um, is like, yeah, then then it's like you're showing that to teenagers and then are you positioning it in a way where they will then, like, try to do those things that we're right. talking about? yeah. Versus, like, having an accurate representation of difficult mm-hmm. issues as a teenager. And I think it's, like, how it's shown, isn't it? Basically, like, how it's, you know... Yeah, definitely. Like, I'm thinking now, like, obviously we've got so... We have got so many things on our list, everybody, of things that we could potentially talk about for this subject. Yeah. But I want to definitely mention sex education because, like, compared to everything we've spoken about, for me, I feel like sex education, personally, might be my favourite in terms of... I think it has got all of the elements of Heartstopper... Yeah. but also some more depth in terms of the characterization and a bit more drama, you know, to get your teeth into. And I think it's yeah. a perfect show, actually. I don't know if anything's perfect. Maybe you should never say that, but... Yeah, and it's like, it feels like it has sort of hit that middle ground of, like, being realistic about yeah. what teenagers go through without right. glamorising bad behaviour, right? It's like... 
Yeah, like for example, Maeve is really in the mold of Effie, isn't she, as a character? Mm. Like if you haven't watched the show, she is dressed in the style of Effie, if if Effie was in uh, the 2020 mm. <laughs> years. Mm. Um, but she she has a lot more depth in terms of she lives in a trailer park, so we know her backstory is that she's very poor and that her mother um, is an alcoholic and that she's therefore struggling to make ends meet and to look after herself based on the fact. So there's, there's quite a, like a rich backstory there, which we don't really get for Effie as far as I know. Yeah. So I feel like that helps us empathize with her as a more rounded character. And then also she seems to be really interested in like reading, which obviously makes me love her. Mm. Um, and like her academic pursuits, whereas Effie by all like, how how could you really measure what kind of person she was other than by her attraction to men and her mm. like she how really she values her personality like no actually, yeah compared yeah to the other characters in the show she's like this kind of blank slate who just like smolders all the right time. like <laughs> so yeah like it's almost like yeah. her whole personality is based on the male gaze rather than yeah 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 but I think Maeve really has quite a strong identity and I did so I think if we're going to track the manic pixie dream girl she has moved on in a positive Mm. direction (laughs) yeah definitely yeah I think it's a much better example and I think the fact that it's like so funny sex education as well really helps I do think comedy helps to kind of make things cool and attractive do you know what I mean yeah people like if they can they can uh think of it in that way I was thinking like with books again like with coming of age stuff that I grew up with like one thing I really wanted to talk about because I love it is um Angus Thongs and Full Frontal Snogger oh yeah I don't know if you ever like the read those books and then it was made into a film but similarly like I think that is a really I mean it's so funny such a like such a funny um like YA series but you know, is you're following again, like I suppose, a really well written character who wants to do lots of teenage things, mm. um, but it feels, I don't know, like I, my, I don't know if you read those books, but I felt like when I was reading them, I was maybe like thirteen ish, and they felt like they were exploring areas that felt a bit like risque, and yeah, you know, it was about like dating and boys and sex to some degree, like in a you know in a mild way. Yeah, but, same with um, before before we came on, you were saying Jacqueline Wilson as well covers mm, those kinds of topics. Mm. Yeah, because I was thinking of this book I read called Love Lessons by Jacqueline Wilson, which, again, like, I don't even think my parents... Because I'm like, I don't know if my parents would have let me read that if they'd actually known what it was about. <laughs> In that the book is about a girl who has, like, a romance with a teacher. But it's really good because it's like you... It's sort of presented in a way where like you want the romance to happen between the two of them yeah but then when it does start happening it's like not good and you start to understand why and I think it's a really like great novel in that respect because it doesn't Mm. sort of uh patronize the like teenage readers by suggesting that like this guy is horrible Mm. or any of those things it's like a realistic story about that kind of relationship with what without shying away from the the bad the negative side of it yeah I mean that's quite refreshing really because all the time we're seeing representations of like older character younger character and that's okay like Mm. Mm. all all the time we're still getting that from Mm. 
it seems to be that these older white male directors are making most of the movies still and so we're still seeing a lot of like problematic relationships being presented as completely normal don't you think yeah and isn't that i haven't seen it but isn't there a relationship in um pretty little liars between like a oh yeah school girl and uh, yeah ezra is his name and then aria is the girl and yeah. saffron was mentioning this the other day the fact that yeah, that that's one of the central relationships that goes on through the many, many seasons of that show. And he's his, he's her teacher, but then, you know, they do carry on dating uh, all the way to the end of the show. It's really Yeah, and there's also weird. in the first few seasons of Skins, there's a relationship between Chris, a teenage boy, and she's called Oh, Angie, yeah! A female that's oh presented in a really positive light. I've never it? really thought back on that but yeah they they actually do really like in skins i think a lot of the young boys in skins are presented as being able to handle that sort of thing like with cook as well in the second Mm. in the effie seasons cook is presented as somebody who has slept with numerous women not just girls and like Mm. can handle being like in a strip club and Mm having escorts and I'm trying to think what else they do but they go to that party and he breaks up a wedding and he's so chaotic but they're presenting it as though he he knows himself completely and of course he can handle this level of chaos yeah. when really it's like yeah he's a teenager he's so yeah. young they're so young yeah, yeah. it's terrifying really to think about yeah and I do think that like teenagers sorry I'm like I should say I'm dog saying at the moment so there might be some like sound effects <laughs> they've been very sleeping. good haven't they they actually have been very good I thought they'd be barking but mm. one of them keeps sighing really loudly just <laughs> um, <laughs> oh shut yeah. up about your teenage years women <laughs> enough's enough so yeah. self-indulgent <laughs> yeah and I think it's that like and maybe this is like a sort of way of like rounding this like heart stopper thing up mm. because for me, I'm not sure exactly where I sit on on it. Like, I loved Heartstopper and I really found it a very comforting watch and I wish that I had seen more things like Heartstopper and also Sex Education maybe as being mm-hmm. um, good examples of, like, you know, teenage culture when I was a teenager in comparison to Skins and Gossip Girl. But there is a part of me that thinks, like, maybe we have to not, like, patronise teenagers by only showing good you know examples of teenagers on television Mm. like we want to show them being complex and making mistakes and like fucking up and doing rebellious stuff and even things like having relationships with teachers although because those things do happen right and it's Mm. like we don't want to purify it too much and I don't you know Heartstopper is just one example of like many teenage shows so it's not like I think that that is doing that particularly but it's like maybe we don't want that to be the only kind of representation of teenagers that we're seeing maybe it's good that we have these other more extreme dark stories still yeah definitely I think there is quite a wealth to be honest of representation of teenage stories now yeah you know I think it's just that those ones are have somehow caught the attention of mainstream culture 
you know, like I've just been watching Never Have I Ever, mm-hmm. um, which is Mindy Kaling's show about her youth. I imagine it's her youth. I want to imagine it's her as the main character because they're so similar in terms of her personality on the American office and then her personality in the show. Mm-hmm. But basically, in that show, the main character, Debbie, is... I think quite problematic in terms of she's grieving the loss of her father um, and so it makes her do some really bonkers things um, like trying to break people up and it's all like fun and games but she is ruining people's lives as a result of her own grief Mm. but you know I think it is an innocent type of show but it is exploring mental health issues as well Um, and same thing again with like Atypical, which has got um, an autistic lead and obviously he's trying to do the best that he can do mm. um, in his own teenage world, but he's making mistakes too. Mm. But I do, I do agree with you. I think on the whole, the tone of the show is coming out now is quite innocent and pure. Mm. And just to do one more that I've seen recently as well, sorry. Um, the Summer I Turned Pretty mm. was very, very cutesy. In fact, yeah, they're all, they're all a lot more cutesy than what we were having. I mean, when you think about the OC and that mm. scene of Ryan carrying Marissa out of a burning car, mm. like, dead... Mm. <laughs> and now we're getting like a little bit of drama about like my daddy issues it's yeah. really really different isn't it I really just think it is because you know we've really like gone there with like teens having a bad time culturally sure, yeah yeah and I yeah. think it's just that it's like swinging back in the opposite direction because it's like mm. it's, we've gone like so hard on like teenage pain you know yeah it's, like, like it's just swung back too far in the opposite direction now yeah it's like a yeah. kind of rebalancing that's just like naturally happening, I think. Whereas I think people are yeah. actually a bit like done with seeing teenagers just like having a terrible time. You know, yeah. it's become like a bit yeah. of a trope, basically, hasn't it? Yeah, well, I think we've covered a lot of ground, don't you? Maybe yeah. we should wrap it up. Like, yeah. we said we might just recommend some stuff that we've been into recently to finish off the episode. Do you want to go first? Yeah, so this is less, like, about on this theme and, I guess, just, like, things that we've been enjoying recently. Um, I recently read a book called Rachel's Holiday by Marianne Keys, which is actually quite an old book. It's been out for, like, 25 years now, but so many different people recommended it to me, like, that I was like, okay, I just need to read this book. Um, I really enjoyed it. Like, I read it when I was on holiday recently. It's quite a big book, but it's about a woman who's... Um, right at the beginning, she's... her her family put her in like a rehab center and it's it's really funny like I I actually hadn't read any Marianne Keys book I guess because like in a slightly pretentious way I think I always (laughs) thought that it was just like chick lit you know like yeah that's what I thought too yeah and and she's such a funny writer I don't think I realized like how funny she is but it's it's also very like you know we love like messy (laughs) messy women (laughs) very messy woman who's like sort of um an unreliable narrator I guess and I think that's what Mm. makes it quite an interesting read is like what you your her presentation of events at the start of the book and how that progresses like over throughout and the things you find out um is really interesting but also like the it's kind of this like ensemble cast of characters in this rehab center that's so funny you know and she writes these different people so well Mm. so I really enjoyed that and in terms of 
TV, I watched a program called Big Boys on Channel 4, which I really loved. And it's, um, it's written by this comedian called Jack Rourke, and it's kind of autobiographical. But it's mm-hmm. about him going... He's like a young gay man, and it's about him going to university, and he gets... Um, basically they like mess up his place in halls and he gets put in this kind of like PE shed like with this other boy who's a straight like guy who's kind of a bit like laddie but you quickly find out he has depression he's like on medication for it it's really funny but also like just honestly I thought it was such a nice representation of like male friendship that I hadn't seen before um in that they're both quite like vulnerable you know the main character's like kind of still coming out in lots of ways with his sexuality and the other character is dealing with like mental health issues and different things Mm -hmm. happening within their families and it was just yeah it was really refreshing to see this like really like warm friendship between these two like 18 year old boys I suppose you know yeah Um, that sounds great yeah those are my recommendations yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I've just been reading uh, Red, White and Royal Blue with mm-hmm. Maya, who's a long-term member of the um, book club, who I've never actually met in person, but we're so often in contact on social media that I feel like we're mates now. And so we read that at the same time as each other and did a buddy read, which we've mentioned that before. Um, if anyone's not on Storygraph, you should definitely do it because it is fun reading things together. Um and that is chiclet, but it's really, really fun. It's about um, the... And they're going to make it into a movie, I think, or a TV show soon. So that will probably have... The, I reckon that's going to have the same impact as Heartstopper, to be mm. honest, because it's about... Um, maybe even bigger. It's about the imaginary prince of England falling in love with the imaginary president's son in America. (laughs) And (laughs) yeah, it is actually amazing. (laughs) Like when I first started reading it, I thought, oh, this is fun and kind of stupid. And it was around the time of the Jubilee. So I was thinking, oh, the monarchy, like, do I really want to get into this? Mm. But the further the book goes along, you get to see that the author has deliberately got this kind of political agenda Mm. and that she is actually commenting on the problems within the monarchy, the fact that it isn't very inclusive, um, the fact that it needs to either move forward, change with the times or go completely. So even though it was just a silly book, it actually had quite a lot of interesting themes within it. Um, and then what you were talking about actually reminded me of this show that I saw a couple of weeks ago called Prue on iPlay. Have you ever seen that? No. That's actually really, really good. I think you'd really like that. It's yeah. about it's about teenagers who've been removed from mainstream education. Mm. Um, like if you don't know, if you're not a teacher or whatever, a Prue is um, a special education facility for children whose behaviour is so bad that they've had to be removed from mm. mainstream schooling. And I think you would love that because it is actually hilarious, the the escapades that they get up to based on their terrible behaviour. And then last but not least, um, I'm reading this book called Choice Words, Writers on Abortion, um, because obviously things are really, really shit worldwide, yeah. and particularly in America. Um, and that book is a huge book, which I was originally just trying to like dip in and out of with different bits of writing um, from like from poetry to prose to um 
scripts, loads and loads of different kind of, of writing on the theme of abortion. Um, but obviously now that things have really ramped up and are even worse, it's quite um, healing to read, obviously, yeah. those kinds of stories. But yeah, it's a bit of a sad note to end on, really. God, things are not looking good, are they? I don't know. No, it's pretty... I mean, it's, I say, shocking, because it does feel shocking, um, this news in America, but also not shocking I suppose in terms of how you know we've been leading up to it for a while there but I can't imagine how you would feel if you're a woman in America at the moment yeah I mean maybe we can do some sort of convoluted way to wrap it up on that theme as well this is maybe really cheesy but I'm just thinking like you know teenagers deserve to be teenagers like imagine if you got pregnant as a teenager but just imagine if at Mm. any point in your life you got pregnant you just didn't want to have the baby Mm. being forced to have it I just Mm. feel so miserable about the whole thing it's a to be like let's be honest it's a bleak time to be a woman when you hear these things like maybe a nice um, maybe one positive spin that we can have is like having a community like having our community Mm. of women yeah. It does feel like supportive when you have these times in the world that feel so grim and bleak. I was gonna yeah. say like um obviously Feminist Fiction is like a book club collective and there are clubs in Manchester, London, Liverpool, Belfast and Hal in Germany. Is that, which yeah. is like an exciting one. I think that's that's all of them, right? Um, yeah so far yeah yeah so if you want to join any of those if you live in any of those places um you can do but also if you don't live in those places we do online meets Mm -hmm. um because we have people like you mentioned Maya in the book club who lives in Edinburgh Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so you can join online staff um and if you follow us on Instagram so at feminist.fiction there's all of the information on how to join there but yeah. yeah, I think it's like, it is really good to have that kind of community of women, like at times like this, I've definitely found it really great. Yeah, and not like, just women, you know, obviously yeah. non-binary people and men as well. And I definitely would say to just a little call out to any men mm. out there who like mm. are interested in what we're doing, are interested in feminism in general, like yeah. now is the time to be shouting how much you hate what's going on in the world like don't just I think what's great is that I can see so many women coming together and talking about these issues but it would be even better if people with more power than us Mm. said the things that we're saying um exactly to join and I think (laughs) join the community (laughs) yeah but I just think you know it's hard to know what we can do obviously we're UK based so if anybody does know of anything you know obviously we are donating to abortion funds um but if anyone has any ideas of what we could even just do as a community to support the people with what they're going through in America um yeah let us know because that's the whole point of of us having a community like this we're so lucky that we do have it um yeah and we could probably be doing more with it than just talking about books because it's so positive already but if you think there's if you have an idea for something we could do about this scary time just let me know get in touch you know (laughs) yeah definitely like and you know even things to discuss on the podcast or like events anything like that that you would like to see us doing just let us know 
Um, yeah, true. Like coming back to just the podcast in general, we yeah. do want to know what you thought of today's episode, how your coming of age experience was personally and what mm. your favourite or least favourite coming of age stories are yes, and what I you want to hear next. about people's teenage times. <laughs> yes, I really, really hope people are going to be like as vulnerable yeah. as we've been. And I'm a bit worried about my parents listening to these episodes, I'll be honest. I know, I know. <laughs> I feel like probably, let's be honest, our parents probably knew... I think they know more than they let on sometimes. Oh, God, yeah, they knew, they knew everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, they sorry were also to drag teenagers it out, once. Like, like, so that's, I think it's, yeah, you know. exactly. I once had a party and I and the people at the party were dressed up and one was dressed as a smurf and so there were blue marks all over my house walls mm. so it was difficult to disguise <laughs> from the parents when they returned. <laughs> I wonder what they thought was going on because I mean your mind doesn't immediately jump to smurf. Do you know I mean? No, true. <laughs> um, yeah, okay. On that note, make sure that you rate and review the podcast. It helps yeah. us. Um, boost its popularity. I Natalie, I don't think anyone knows how to leave a review. I feel like we need to give clear instructions. I've okay. tried, but I don't, know, I don't know. On Apple Podcasts, you put in five stars, obviously. <laughs> no lower. No less. <laughs> and then leave a glowing comment. Like that's, mm-hmm. It's like the bottom of the podcast. But on Spotify, you have to go to the show and it's okay. like top right, there's like three dots and that's where you can rate and review it. So okay. It's a bit more complicated on Spotify. Amazing. Um, but yes, please do that if you liked it. <laughs> if yeah. you didn't, just keep it to yourself. But no one, it's fine. No one needs to know. <laughs> no one needs to know. <laughs> um, but yeah, Aww. thank you so much for listening. Um, and we'll yeah. be back soon with another episode. Woo-woo. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. See you next time. Bye.